Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Whenever events of significance occur in other countries, many of us are either apathetic or we simply don't hear of them in the first place. However, when it comes to Israel, we typically hear about what's going on whether we want to or not. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on the re-election of Netanyahu and the significance of his failure to form a coalition. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on June 2nd, 2019. Today, I think I would be grossly remiss if I didn't address what happened last week which to me was a real game changer. In fact, it was kind of interesting. I didn't, until this morning, see really any news coverage until uh, Fox News, who's usually really good about it, actually did a a segment on it. Uh, Maybe you didn't hear about what happened, but Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu failed to form a coalition subsequent to his historic re-election back in April of this year. Now, I hope I don't overuse the word or the phrase game changer, but this in every sense of the word to me is a potential game changer. And I say that because of the prophetic implications of this, specifically related to President Trump's deal of the century, which was to be unveiled now that Netanyahu had won the election. Well, now all bets are off. It's anyone's guess. And that's what I want to talk about today, and why this is so important, and what the ramifications can be. I'll start with this Jerusalem Post report about how exactly one month after the 21st Knesset were sworn in, a majority of the Knesset voted to disperse themselves and initiate an unprecedented repeat election in, get this, September of this year, after Netanyahu was unable to form a coalition It was the, and I'm quoting, the first time in Israeli history that a candidate for prime minister failed to form a coalition after being given the task by the president after an election. 
Did you catch these words, these phrases, unprecedented? First time in history, historic. His re-election was historic to begin with. And now, for the first time in Israel's history, there's a failure on the part of the elected prime minister to form a coalition. This is a problem. It's a huge problem. I would even say it's a geopolitical earthquake of sorts, and for a number of reasons, chief of which is now (laughs) this two years in the making deal of the century from the Trump administration. What's going to happen with that? While many are suggesting that it's doomed for failure, especially now. According to Fox News, Jared Kushner's visit to Jerusalem to promote his Middle East peace plan could be, quote, losing steam as Israel heads into the, and again I'm quoting, and I want you to listen to the, the wording, unchartered territory, unprecedented, first time in history, unchartered territory of a second election in a calendar year following Benjamin Netanyahu's inability to form a government by Wednesday night's deadline. On Tuesday, (laughs) this is not met with consternation by all. Actually, it's met by celebration on the part of some, particularly one Mahmoud Abbas, who said, and I quote, the deal of the century or the deal of disgrace will go to hell. (laughs) Speaking of the U.S. sponsored conference in Bahrain, scheduled for June 25th and 26th, Abbas added that, quote, the economic project they are working on for next month will also go to hell. (laughs) We said we are not going to accept this meeting and its results because they are selling us illusions that will lead to nothing. Yeah, we shouldn't be surprised, right? Suffice it to say, Speculation abounds amongst the experts and analysts. I read through many. (laughs) Experts and what they had to say, many articles. What's going to happen now? How's this going to play out? Jerusalem Post published one such analysis titled, Hello Elections Means Goodbye, Trump peace plan. You have to understand that the clock is ticking. September now? Why why would President Trump unveil the peace plan prior to the re-election in September when he wouldn't do it prior to the initial election in April? Well... (laughs) Moreover, if this weren't bad enough, he's also fighting the United States election 
timeline and timetable. Because see, by this fall, (laughs) all these articles I read, they say, you know, by September, October, November, the election year, the presidential election campaign is going to be in full swing, full, you know, full on campaign mode. I'm like, what planet do you live on? It's already in full campaign mode. How many uh, candidates now on the Democratic side are running for president, like 185 of them or something like that? If Israel says hello to new elections in September, it is safe to assume it can kiss goodbye U.S. President Donald Trump's deal of the century. The analyst goes on to explain the dynamics, the political dynamics of trying to unveil something of this magnitude, this late in the president's term, because the president, if he does implement it, it is agreed upon, he would also then need to shepherd it forward. He can't just, here's the plan, see you, have a nice afternoon. There's also the risk of this late in the game, in his first term, having such a high-profile failure on his resume going into the 2020 election. You know, I was (laughs) musing, I guess for lack of a better word, about all of this as sometimes I do. And I think it it happened when on one particular day, I'm sitting in my office and on one of my screens, they've got, you know, all 185 Democratic candidates on the, you know, screen with their, you know, pictures and their names underneath. And I'm looking at them going, so they're all going to run for president and in 2020. And uh, I was thinking about what James said. Don't say, I'm going to go into such and such a city and do business there or run for president (laughs) or do this or do that, because you don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, and I, I hope you don't misunderstand me when I say this, but Who's to say there's even going to be a presidential election next year? Now some of you are going, are you getting into that whole conspiracy thing? No. Are you setting dates? Absolutely not. James says, Lord willing. You should say, Lord willing, because you don't know. Your life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. You don't know. Anything can happen. We're what? Someone help me out here. Today's uh, June 2nd. So June, July, August, September, October, November. We're a year and a half away. Right? Am I right? Okay, good. Thank you so much. We're a year and a half away from the 2020 presidential election. 
And we're already talking about that? Be careful. I think as Christians, we need to take very seriously. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen. Oh, sure, we can speculate and pontificate, and but we don't know. The Lord could come back and rapture the church tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, this afternoon would be great. I'm not trying to, and I hope I don't come off as being dismissive or disrespectful of these experts. But I have to say that they don't know. No one knows. Only God knows. They don't know what and who we know. Let me say that again. What they don't know is who and what we know. I'm sure you've heard it said, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And here's the thing, the one who holds the future has told us what the future holds. Did you know that? Yeah, right here. Who knew? (laughs) God knew. He's told us, in fact, it's believed that one-third of the Bible is prophecy. The one who holds the future has told us what the future holds. It's right here. I can predict the future. So can you. Because God has unveiled to us what's going to happen at the time of the end. How's this going to end? Right here. It's right here. This is how it's going to end. Is there going to be a peace plan? Yeah, Daniel 9.27, right here. Are they going to try to divide Jerusalem? Yeah, Zechariah 12, right here. Right here. (laughs) Is that, this is going to, All right, bring it on. This is going to get me a lot of emails and a lot of comments, but I rejoice in that suffering. So anyway, (laughs) is the church going to be taken out before the seven-year tribulation? Yeah, right here. And here, and here, and here, and here, and here, and here, and here. You know, at the end of each year, bear with me, I'm uh, almost done. Not really. I'm not actually almost done. So (laughs) at the beginning of a new year, at the end of the previous year, there's always these predictions, you know, what is the, what's going to happen in the new year? What's going to happen in 2019? I can tell you what's going to happen in 2019, because God told me what's going to happen in 2019. No, I'm not predicting the rapture. But God has told me that the world's going to be a certain way 
at the time of the end, and it's going to get worse. And a lot of these things are going to be like birth pains that come in greater intensity and shorter frequency. But, remember we talked about this, was that last week we talked about this? Putting the but in the right place? Life is hard, but God is good. It's not, God is good, but life is hard. No, the but's in the wrong place. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's what my future holds. He will never leave me nor forsake me. That's what my future holds. And I can just go on and on. And I know the plans I have for you in the future, the Lord says, Jeremiah 29, 11, a life verse for many and rightfully so. Plans to bless you and prosper you and give you a future and a hope. Not to harm you, not to hurt you, not to injure you. No. That's my future. John 14, verse 29. Listen to what Jesus said. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, and it will happen, and it's happening, you will believe. In other words, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens, so when it begins to happen, I've got your attention now, because I told you this was going to happen. And now it's happening. And I told you it was going to happen. Before it happened. And now it's happening. Do you believe? Yes. Are you kidding me? Revelation chapter 1. Ah, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Along with all the other 65 books of the Bible, but particularly the book of Revelation. You know that the book of Revelation is the only book in all of the Bible that promises a blessing to those who read it, hear it, and take it to heart. The only book. And isn't it interesting that it's the one book that Christians are the most afraid of? Oh, it's it's apocalyptic. It's too hard to understand. The book of Revelation is a gnarly book. (laughs) Right? Okay, bear with me on this, but I know this is going to be deeply profound. Revelation? Reveal? You know, apocalypsos in the Greek, we have this, you know, image in our mind, apocalypse. You know what the word apocalypsos in the original language means? Unveiling, revealing, revelation. I told you to bear with me on that. (laughs) That's what it is. It's a revealing book. It's God taking the veil off of the future and revealing it. The revelation. Listen to chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. John is writing. He's on the island of Patmos where he was banished to die. This is about the year 95 AD, it's believed. And this is when he receives the revelation. And John writes, when I saw him, speaking of Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me. 
How comforting is that? Saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. So be it. And it gets better. (laughs) I have the keys of Hades and of death. And then in verse 19, he says to John, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. In other words, John, I'm going to reveal to you what's going to take place in the future. So John is told to write, one has described verse 19 as the divine outline in the book of Revelation. John, I want you to write what you were an eyewitness of, past tense. And then after that I want you to write present tense, that which is now, the seven letters to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. And then after that I want you to write about everything that is going to take place after yet future. Do you know that from chapter 4, verse 1, on through the rest of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, are all the events that are going to take place yet future. Let me also say, parenthetically, because I can't help myself, so I'm going to say it, the word church is mentioned 19 times in chapter 1, which is past, chapters 2 and 3, which is present, and then not mentioned after chapter 4, verse 1. You know what chapter 4, verse 1 says? I should probably read it, but basically says this. John is told to come up here, and he hears what is the sound of a trumpet, And he's taken up into heaven, and he's shown from heaven, chapter 4, verse 1, everything that will take place, metatelta in the Greek, after these things. And chapter 4 and 5, I believe, is speaking of the rapture of the church prior to the seven-year tribulation, because chapters 6 through 19 are all about the seven-year tribulation, and the word church isn't mentioned one time in those chapters. The reason the church is not mentioned in chapters 6 through 19, all about the tribulation, is because the church does not go through the tribulation. The purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. I did not make that up, by the way. I cannot take credit for that. I totally stole that from somebody else. The purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. And that's all in the book of Revelation. That's what will take place after the present church age, chapters 2 and 3. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready, because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. 
The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's prophecy update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this prophecy update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this prophecy update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.